Greetings, users and programs, and welcome to episode number four of Cactus Flax Podcast, the show in which I will be discussing all of the arcade cabinets I actually owned. I am your host, Rob Flack O'Hara, and on today's show, I will be covering Street Fighter II Champion Edition, which was released in 1992 by Capcom. As always, we'll kick the show off with a review of the game, followed by my memories of the actual Street Fighter II Champion Edition cabinet that I owned. Fighter 2 Champion Edition is a fighting game. The control panel contains two eight-way sticks and six buttons per player. Uh, a little bit of background on the Street Fighter franchise. Uh, the first Street Fighter game, just titled Street Fighter, was released in 1987. It wasn't very good and didn't really catch on with gamers until the sequel Street Fighter II The World Warrior was released in 1991. Uh, this game, Street Fighter II Champion Edition, followed in 1992, and it itself was followed by several other Street Fighter II editions, including Turbo Hyper Fighting, uh, New Challengers in 1993, and Street Fighter II Turbo in 1994. There's also Hyper Street Fighter II and lots of other variations of Street Fighter II. The big difference between this game, Street Fighter II Champion Edition, and the original, which was Street Fighter II The World Warrior, but is most often just referred to as Street Fighter II, uh, is that this version has 12 playable characters instead of only the original eight. So the original eight characters are Ryu, uh, who is a Japanese uh, fighter. There's E. Honda, the sumo wrestler. Blanca, which is the uh, mutant from Brazil. Guile, who's the United States Air Force uh, Special Forces guy. Uh, Ken, who is very similar to Ryu, except for he is from the United States. There's Chun-Li, the girl with the massive thighs that we all know. She is the Chinese uh, martial artist who is seeking uh, to avenge her deceased father. There's Zangief, I believe that's how you say that, who's the professional wrestler from the USSR, and finally, Dalsim, who is the fire-breathing yoga master from India. So those are the original eight playable characters, and then there were four bosses, um, or CPU-only characters, in the original Street Fighter II that are now playable in Street Fighter II Champion Edition. Those include Balrog, who is the uh, African-American boxer, which is modeled after Mike Tyson. There's Vega, the Spanish guy that has the uh, claws, and uh, fights like a ninja. There's Saget, who's the uh, Muay Thai kickboxer. And uh, then there's M. Bison, who is the leader of uh, all the bad guys. And he's the guy that has the mysterious power known as Psycho Power. Um, Psycho Power. That's a, You know, I, I have a long list of potential band names. I always file when I hear things away that would make a good band name. So I'm going to put that one down on the list. Psycho Power. I like that. 
Um, Street Fighter 2 is credited for starting the fighter game genre craze that we had in the 1990s. There are a lot of things in Street Fighter 2 um, that we saw repeated again and again and again, and even today uh, we still see. Each fighter has uh, a unique look. Each fighter has their own uh, very brief backstory. You don't need, you know, a ton of backstory in these type of games. All you have to say is, you know, I'm Chun-Li and I'm here to avenge my father. Okay, that's <laughs> that's all we need to get into the game. Um, also, each fighter had their own moves and their own special unique moves. Um, so that was uh, something that this kind of uh, launched for the fighting game genre. Um, Street Fighter 2, the original, was Capcom's best-selling game uh, until 2013 when it was knocked off by Resident Evil 5. There were 14 million copies of the game sold for consoles alone. Uh, Street Fighter 2 was a huge success for Capcom. It uh, also spawned a movie. Street Fighter the movie was released in 1994. Uh, it starred uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme as Colonel Guile and uh, Raul Julia, who a lot of people know from the Adams family movies, He's a very famous actor. He was Bison and Kylie Minot, uh, who can tell it to my heart any day of the week, starred as Cammy, And then a bunch of people that are nowhere near as cute as Kylie Minot also appeared in the film. The graphics are what I would call 16 bit uh, style graphics. They are, uh, more detailed than what we had uh, even in the uh, mid to late 80s. They're even they're much more detailed and more fluid than uh, the original Street Fighter, which was in 87. So in just a couple of years, we see a pretty big advance uh, in graphics. Um, same thing about the music and sound effects. Uh, each level has its own unique music. There are sound effects. There are um, speech samples, all sorts of things. So this is a, um, you know, advanced compared to uh, 80s style arcade games. This is a pretty complete uh, package. Street Fighter 2 uh, was ported to the Amiga, the Atari ST. There's a version for the Commodore 64. Uh, DOS, Super Nintendo, the ZX Spectrum. It was on the Game Boy. It's been released in compilations on the Wii and the Wii U. Now, specifically, this game, Street Fighter II Champion Edition, was released for the Genesis, the Sega Master System, uh, the Sharp X68000, and a TurboGrafx-16. It's also on the Wii. It's part of that same uh, Street Fighter compilation. Uh, there are all kinds of variants and uh compilations uh there's i know there was a, a street fighter 2 compilation on playstation and on sega saturn so if you're wanting to find a platform other than uh arcade version to play this game on just look around because street fighter 2 and even street fighter 2 champion Ed edition were ported to a lot of uh, different systems uh, it does play just fine in MAME if you want to try it out, but keep in mind that you will need uh, six buttons per player. Each player has uh, three different punch powers. You have a low, medium, and high punch. Uh, not low, medium, high as in where you're aiming, but in the strength, uh, the power of your attack, and the same uh, low, medium, and high intensity for your kicks. So there are a lot of different moves, not even to mention all the secret moves and the attacks and fireballs and crazy things uh, that can be done in uh, the Street Fighter 2 series of games. 
Obviously, the goal of the game is to, in two-player mode, is just to fight and win and fight, fight, fight. Uh, in one-player mode, you want to get all the way to the end and beat uh, the bosses at the end of the game. Now, as a reminder, uh, this podcast will cover my four eras of arcade collecting. So uh, we've already gone through the first era, which was when I lived in the mobile home. I only owned one arcade cabinet at that point in time, and that was elevator action. So we're already through that. And we are in the second era, which uh, we can just call the El Reno house. And I owned a total of six arcade cabinets. Elevator action was one of them that I had brought with me. Uh, And so I had six cabinets in all at uh, the El Reno house. And so this was one of those. Uh, Then later on, we will be talking about my, the home arcade that I set up out behind my house. And that will be the majority of the games. And then the last era we will talk about uh, will be uh, the modern era, the era, I guess, that takes place at the house I live in now. And it will have very few games. Um, My history before purchasing this game um, was not... I, I wouldn't say I, I didn't know what Street Fighter 2 was, but I certainly was not a fan of Street Fighter 2. I've always been uh, more of a Mortal Kombat guy. I think Street Fighter 2 people don't like Mortal Kombat fans, <laughs> and I'm okay with that. I'm not a huge fighting game guy. Um, I'm terrible at memorizing the fatalities and, and, um, you know, memorizing the special moves and things like that. So I'm not very good at them. I'm pretty much a button masher. I would say that my, uh, fighting skills may have maxed out with karate champ, uh, or, uh, you know, possibly ye are Kung Fu. Uh, that's about the level, uh, <laughs> quality of fighter, uh, I am. So I was not a big street fighter two fan. Uh, but at the auction, that I spoke about in the uh, last episode, I went and I found, uh, it was after I had purchased Matt Mania. So this is at the same auction. And I, you know, I said last time I might've taken a couple hundred bucks. I, maybe I only took a hundred, I'm not sure, but, um, maybe I took a couple hundred, but, uh, I was looking for inexpensive games to purchase and games that I liked. And, um, this wasn't necessarily a favorite of mine, but I was familiar with fighting games uh, and it was exciting to own anything, you know, uh, at that time I only owned, uh, you know, basically two games. So, and, and this was all in the same day. So it wasn't like I, I put a lot of forethought into this. I just ran across a cheap game, uh, at an arcade. I paid $35 for the game. And uh, as I was leaving the auction, so I'd already purchased the auction, uh, and I played around with it, and one of the buttons on player two didn't work. I didn't know if that was going to be easy to fix, hard to fix. I didn't know anything about fixing arcade games uh, at that time. But uh, So I knew that one button didn't work. And as I was wheeling it out, this guy flagged me down, and he said, Hey, uh, you bought that Street Fighter II Champion Edition, right? And I said, Yeah. And he said... Uh, yeah, there's a problem with that motherboard. 
with the PCB. And I was like, well, what do you mean? And he says, well, if you leave it on for more than about half an hour, uh, it just shuts itself down. And I was like, well, that would have been nice to know, you know, would have, uh, been nice for the auctioneer to mention that. And, and later I found out that auctioneers don't know anything about the games that they are auctioning. I mean, the specific machines, uh, people bring those to sell at auction. So they don't know the history. They don't know anything. Um, a little side story. I went to an auction one time and, uh, the auctioneer was trying to sell a Frogger machine and it wouldn't turn on. And the auctioneer said, well, it was just on, you know, just uh, an hour ago it was working. So it's probably a minor fix, but I had looked at the machine and it was completely empty. There was no power supply, no motherboard, um, no guts inside at all. All it had was the monitor and the cabinet. And I thought, I don't think this machine was working an hour ago. <laughs> so I, you learn very quickly. Uh, at least I learned that if you want to purchase games at an arcade auction, you need to show up early and do the investigative work yourself. Uh, in Invading Spaces, I had a whole list of things that I suggested people bring, uh, you know, a clipboard to write or, you know, some sort of thing to write notes down on. Uh, an extension cord was very important because a lot of times there were games that were really far away from electrical outlets that you might want to test. And, of course, a flashlight and a few other things like that always came in handy at these auctions. But anyway, so this guy flagged me down and he said, there's a problem with the PCB. And I was like, well, what do I do now? And then he said, uh, I have another PCB for sale for $25. Now, you know, looking back, getting a working uh, Street Fighter II Champion Edition for $60 doesn't seem bad at all. Any working game for $60 uh, that you, you know, enjoy at any level Seem, that seems pretty expensive, but I was like, wow, I just paid 35 for the whole machine and now I'm going to pay 25 for a, a new PCB. But I did. So I went ahead and paid the guy the 25 bucks. It was just, you know, cash. I gave him the money. He gave me the, the board and I took it out and put it in my car. So when I got home, uh, now again, if you recall from the previous episode, episode three, uh, I went, I rode, uh, with, my dad to the auction in his truck. So we took the games from uh, the auction house back to his house. And then we moved them over into my truck. I put one strap around both games left and turned a corner and both games fell over. So this is the other game that fell over on its side. It didn't fall out of the truck, but it was leaning on the truck bed and the entire truck was leaning to the right. I had to get out and stand the games back up and be careful not to push them so hard that they fell over, you know, the other side of the bed. Uh, but I did get the games moved uh, to my house in El Reno and got them unloaded. Um, I called my buddy Jeff to come over and take a look at the game because I didn't know how to switch out the PCB and I didn't know how, uh, you know, we were going to fix this button that didn't work. And he brought with him, I told him what the problem was and he brought with him an old epics. I think there it's the XJ 500 joystick. I have several of them still. They were very popular, uh, joystick uh, with a DB nine so that you could use them. They were very popular for the Commodore 64, but they made them for other, uh, different consoles and systems. But the, one of the selling points was inside it had micro switches. So when you played with the joystick it click, 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 the micro switches were always clicking. And so he brought an old joystick with him. Now this was 1994, 
And so, you know, we had pretty much retired, or at least Jeff had retired his Commodore 64 uh, from service at that time. And so uh, we opened up his joystick, and sure enough, there were the exact same micro switches inside that we found inside the arcade cabinet. Uh, we tried the wiring first, and that wasn't the problem. We tried uh, the button, messing with the button, and that wasn't the problem. And then we tried actually manually pressing the the uh, micro switch, and that was the problem. And so we pulled the micro switch out of an Epic's uh, XJ500 and 500XJ uh, joystick and put it in my arcade cabinet, and it worked like a charm. So that was the first uh, repair of any kind, I think, that we did, yeah, that we did on an arcade cabinet. We also replaced the board. Again, uh, we just unplugged the harness from one PCB and plugged it into the next ones. But this was us learning about arcade games. We had never, I don't think I'd even opened my Elevator Action arcade game. So this is really the first time that we were exploring the insides of arcade games. And again, this was 1994, um, so there were still... Not as many, you know, not as many arcades around as there had been in the mid to late 80s. But there were still arcades around. So, um, you know, this was still kind of a new thing, especially for us. Um, the overall condition of the cabinet was kind of generic. It was in a generic cabinet with no side art at all. Uh, the bezel that went all the way around the monitor was completely white. And by the way, if you go to... Uh, podcast.robohara.com where I'm posting these in each uh, show listing, you'll see a small picture in the corner. And that is a picture of the actual arcade game that I owned. I have uh, pictures of most of the games. And now that I, I say that uh, I don't know that I have pictures of at least one of the next two coming up. There's one or two games. You got to remember that this was pre um, at least this era was pre-digital camera, so I don't um, have pictures of, of – there's one or two that I don't have. But but all the rest of them, and generally speaking, they will. So um, if you want to see this uh, championship uh, or a, a champion edition Street Fighter II with a, a, white, a white bezel around the monitor and a generic marquee, you could go over there and see that. Uh, the marquee was just had like um, red and yellow lines, and it said Champion Street Fighter in black letters that were probably either stenciled or stickers that were stuck on there. So the whole thing was generic. Obviously, somebody had converted an older cabinet into this and updated the control panel with uh, all these new buttons that they had added in and just uh, probably, you know, they probably just flipped the bezel around. If I had it today, I would do more uh, investigation. I'd probably look on the backside of the bezel and see <laughs> what the cabinet um, used to be. Um, I don't have a lot of memories of owning this cabinet. Um, Jeff and I, neither of us were huge fighting game fans uh, you know, we, we liked, um, co-op type games. We were big fans of Mario brothers and joust and wizard of war and games like that, where you could play with another friend and sometimes play against another friend. Uh, so the, um, you know, the, the fighting games just had limited appeal for us. Also, one thing to keep in mind about this era is this is still pre-internet. So, uh, well, this is 1994. It's, it's pre-World Wide Web for me. I didn't get on the web until uh, either late, late. Well, I got on the web late 94 
and I didn't, uh, let me correct that. I got on the internet in late 94, but it was all text-based what I was doing at the time, FTP and Gopher and, and uh, IRC, those sorts of things. And I didn't get on the actual web until the spring of 95. So uh, I couldn't just go find arcade manuals. I couldn't find, you know, lists of, you know, moves and things like that, like we would do today. Today you would just Google, hey, how do I find, you know, all the moves in Street Fighter II Champion Edition, and, and there was no way to do that at the time. So occasionally, you would get somebody to throw a, a fireball or do something cool, but no, we, we could never figure out how to make those things happen uh, consistently. So uh, this is another game that when we I left El Reno, it was to move up to Washington State, and I had a more or less a fire sale of arcade cabinets. Uh, according to my notes, I sold this game for $50.00. Um, today current value says 250 to $350, according to Exidy's arcade price guide. Um, that, I don't know. I think that they were higher for a while. I think street fighter two was more coveted for a while, but there are so many different additions. Like I said, there's the hyper, there's the turbo, there's the, uh, all these different street fighter two. So any one, you know, I mean, if you find the person that's looking for this specific one, you might be able to get a little bit more. I suspect mine was on the low end anyway because it was a conversion cabinet. So without the, um, you know, the real marquee, without the bezel, without the real cabinet, all those things would take uh, value away from a collector. I didn't see any dedicated uh, Street Fighter II Champion Edition cabinets on eBay this week, but uh, I saw a conversion. That was in, I believe those are called Dynamo Z cabinets. They're the one that are kind of shaped like a Z. They're usually red or blue. Uh, and there's one for $7.99 starting bid or $10.49 buy it now. So that's um, pretty high based on Exidy's value. Uh, so I, I think possibly there's some nostalgia um, going on that's raising the price of Street Fighter 2. There's a Street Fighter 2 Champion Edition PCB on sale on eBay right now. Buy it now for $225. The marquee itself goes for $40. Imagine that. I sold this cabinet for $50 or the marquee you can have for $40. Um, so, you know, anything related to the Street Fighter 2 stuff arcade, I would expect to be a little bit high right now. Just, just, um, Again, for arcade and nostalgia purposes. Although I did run across uh, the cartridge for Champion Edition for Sega Genesis, which was only two ninety nine. <laughs> That's two dollars and ninety nine cents, not two hundred ninety nine dollars. So uh, there are cheaper ways to play it. Um, or again, if you have a Mame compatible setup with six buttons per player, you can always uh, play this in Mame. Would I purchase this game again? Nah, no, no, probably not. I, I like I said, I'm not huge into fighting games, um, and even the ones that I like, this wasn't really my fighting game of choice. Uh, again, I was much more into uh, Mortal Kombat than I was Street Fighter Two. Um, it's funny that those games seem so similar, but people that like one usually, or and maybe I won't say like, but people that love one don't enjoy the other. And there are people that like both, but, um, definitely each, each series has its own, uh, group of fans. Um, my final thoughts on this cabinet. Um, this was, if I look back, this was the first game that I bought 
because it was cheap and not because I really wanted it. And that really started a bad precedent for me uh, throughout the years of arcade collecting, of just buying games because they were inexpensive um, or because they needed a little bit of work. Um, and, and I think I bought this game more because I thought that's what other people wanted me to buy. You know, I thought, well, when my friends come over, I'll have a fighting game. And so that kind of got me into trouble in later years too, just because, um, you know, I guess I would say if I had to do it over again, I would purchase games that I loved, uh, and that I enjoyed playing. And so this was one that was okay. Uh, I played it, but I never, you know, I didn't love it. Thanks for listening to another episode of Cactus Flax. You can find more episodes of Cactus Flax over at podcast.robohara.com. If you'd like to contact me, send me an email at robohara at robohara.com. Find me on Twitter at Commodore, or follow this page on facebook.com forward slash Cactus Flax. You can also leave a voicemail on the Rob O'Hara podcast hotline, which is area code 405-486-YDKF. Cactus Flax is a proud member of Throwback Network, your home for quality retro podcasts. To find this and other retro-themed podcasts, visit throwbacknetwork.net. Thanks again for listening. <laughs>